0: Welcome back to The Shorter, a podcast on The Shorter Catechism, where two pastors take 20-something minutes to confess their way through the 107 questions of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I'm your host, Tommy Parker, and I'm joined by my co-host, Stephen Spinnewebber. It's a wonderful
1: fall turtleneck you have on right now. I do not have a turtleneck. Is do that not, a pumpkin spice latte in your I hand? do
0: not stop. I'm Did bo- you
1: roll your sleeves up over your wrists just nope. slightly and elbows in? both hands on the mug
0: it is cool but it's not cold my kids know the difference between cool and cold they know when it's cold outside they how say, cool is cool well ice
1: uh, cold
0: <laughs> vanilla ice baby
1: no it's andre 3000
0: i don't know what you're talking
1: about. hey you
0: it was the anthem of 2002 i was trying to tell you about what my kids say well so okay, go ahead well they they're like oh dad we know it's cold outside because you're wearing pants and shoes. I usually just wear shorts or flip-flops. But when I'm wearing pants, well, I'll delete all those. You
1: are Florida man. I am. No, do not delete this. This is this is radio gold. Um so we're back and we're going to get on track now and talk about the uh shorter catechism. So, we've been going through, if you've been following along with us, the different offices of Christ that he executes as our redeemer. One Role as redeemer, but three offices that are, as we kind of describe it, they're layers. Yeah, you know,
0: Makes it, I think it just makes Christ bigger, better, more beautiful. Yeah. And so, what did we, prophet, priest, and, and king. Today, yeah, today's king.
1: Yeah. It's uh, one preacher talks about, it's like a diamond. You turn it over in your hand, and there's a couple of different facets and faces, and you see something brilliant about it every time you turn it over. So, we're talking about Christ as the king today, question 26, and Look forward to this week because what we're going to do is with our interview with Dr. Scott Red Scott Red Scott Redd, Scott Redd. Ooh, ooh. of RTSDC. We're also going to release a bonus episode because there's a really excellent book by Gerhardus Voss called The Kingdom of God. And The Kingdom of God is something I think we all, it's kind of this caught idea, but it's not necessarily taught on very often. And it might help to kind of de- like uh, uh, take away some of the mystery concerning the kingdom of god and explain it in its own episode so we're going to do that
0: we're going to spend a little extra time for you our listener that's right yeah putting in the work
1: so today we're going to stick pretty rigidly with the content of question 26 which is how doth christ execute the office of a king christ executed the office of a king in subduing us to himself in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all of his and our enemies. And we're going to do this under three points today. The three ways in which Christ conducts himself as king. He subdues us to himself, our first point. He rules and defends us, our second point. And he restrains and conquers all of his and our enemies, third point. So the conduct of the king is what we're talking about. He subdues, rules, defends, and restrains and conquers. Tommy, talk about subduing us to himself.
0: Yeah, no, this is important. Psalm 110 kind of starts this whole conversation up where he, the psalm says, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. And so, just the, you know, and we see it elsewhere, like every knee will bow, you know, that, that there's this point where Christ is going to subdue us to ourselves. We have been living under our own regime, as it were, for ourselves. Uh, we see that from Genesis 3 on. Uh, and so, what, what God needs to do and what Jesus is going to do as Redeemer is to be our King, and He's going to subdue ourselves. He's going to put our hearts back towards its rightful place, which is Him.
1: Yeah. It's very Ezekiel 36, I will take. And God, remember, the sovereign working of God, salvation is the work of God in our hearts. And I love how David in Psalm 110 talks about, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. God doesn't, I think R.C. Sproul, he kind of jokingly said, you know, God brought me kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. But like, I get what he's saying, however, the psalmist says, "Your people will offer themselves freely, because, as Ezekiel thirty-six says, I'm going to take that heart of stone that you got right now, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh." Yeah,
0: and this, yeah, we also well, Jeremiah thirty-one, the new covenant. I mean, there's just there's these pieces all throughout, and you can uh, you can see also the the flip side of this, like the whole book of Judges, as it were. You know, they didn't have a king, and so they ruled and, and led after their What's the uh, the refrain? Is yeah, everyone did everyone was right. right in their own eyes, mm-hmm. you know? Because and and what the gospel is and what Jesus is doing is that He is putting us rightly under His rule, and that and that's mainly what this kind of this whole point's about is that He is our rightful King, and He is our rightful King because He's He's created all things. Uh, he is He took on flesh. He lived for us. He died for us. He rose again for us, and now. Uh, since he has ascended, and he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, he is going to put things back to right, and that mm-hmm. starts with us.
1: You know, that we're in, you know that we're nerds, because we're going to quote a catechism on the catechism, and there may be one day, I could envision you, Tommy Park's catechism on Thomas Vincent's catechism on the shorter catechism. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, Thomas Vincent, he says, he asks, What doth Christ subduing his elect people to himself suppose? That at first they were stubborn and disobedient, rebellious and enemies unto him. And he cites Titus 3.3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Which again, it just stresses this gospel emphasis is that there's none righteous, no, not one. That we were wayward and that we have been brought back. We've been reconciled to God through the sacrificing of his son and through the work of the Holy spirit in our hearts, taking out the stone, giving us flesh. And this idea of subduing us to himself, I think that it really captures other biblical imagery like Psalm 23, particularly that yeah. of a shepherd, right?
0: Yep. Yeah. Shepherds need to subdue, restrain, overcome. You know, they need to bring in those wandering sheep, you know, that they need to protect, which we'll, we'll kind of go in, but there's a, this kind of big overhang idea of kingdom and king—it's just—it goes down all these little imag- imagery throughout mm-hmm. the Bible, and Psalm twenty-three is is that where he, Jesus comes and sudubs, uh our wandering hearts, um, and changes our sinful desires, and causes us to, to go after him and mm-hmm. and, um, and drink from his water. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it's. The, it, it is interesting how you noted the fact that the kingly motif of God as king is interwoven throughout the fabric of scripture, but so too is shepherd, uh, shepherd king. It, those, those two images of God and ways of speaking of God actually converge in multiple places because think of Moses. Yeah. What was his job? He was a, a shepherd. shepherd. What, David. 40 years he was a shepherd. Yeah. David was the shepherd king. Yeah, And you can see that as redemptive history is playing itself out, you go to Ezekiel 34, and God is rebuking the shepherds who have fattened themselves on the sheep. Jesus come, and what does he say in John 10? I am the good shepherd, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And he, he calls his sheep by name, he subdues us, because we are prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And to extend the shepherd analogy, So he subdues us to himself, he changes our hearts, and he, you know, his grace is irresistible. He brings in all those that are his, but to extend the shepherd analogy, I love Psalm 23, because he has a rod and a staff. Mm -hmm. The staff is to subdue us, but the rod is to beat away the lions and the bears. It's to, to beat back the enemies of God, which is our second point. What does Christ do as our king? He rules and defends Defends us. us. Yeah. Yeah. So, talk about this, talk about ruling, because it almost seems synonymous with subduing, but how is this expanding a bit, this ruling? Yeah, I
0: would, one way I would explain this, there's one sense where he, he, since he is king, he is ruling, Mm -hmm. and and he has that rightful claim, but he's also ruling us in a sense where, I would put it this way, like the Ten Commandments, the law is his his rules, his guidelines, his commandments as Mm -hmm. the rightful king to show us how life works best to keep us in order. And that was, and you see that throughout the Old Testament particularly, and then the new, is that if you want life to work well, listen to me, listen to my voice, uh, follow my decrees. um, And what's the fifth commandment, right? Um, Honor your father and
1: mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Yeah. That's the first commandment attached with a promise that if you want to get by well or if you want to prosper and benefit in the kingdom of God, you have to submit to the rule of Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I, another thought that just popped up is what I guess what and we'll probably talk about is later is the third use of the law is that he is. He is helping us to live as his citizens mm-hmm. by giving us his law. Oh yeah, you know, and so, and that's the whole idea of kind of he's he is the he he is ruling us. He's mm-hmm. not in like
1: this heavy-handed dictatorial, like you know, well, Central but, American. Yeah. I mean, dictator. here's a great
0: example: the Ten Commandments. It starts with what I brought you out of the land of Egypt, and and for life to go well with you, here are these Ten Commandments. This, this is the not, indicative goes before, before the imperatives. Yeah.
1: And no, you're absolutely right. I think that's that's great to bring it there because he
0: rules us as a redeemer. Yeah, in light of him, him saving us and redeeming us, mm-hmm. not as just dictator. Mm-hmm. No, he comes in as redeemer. He comes in as savior. He comes in as as the sovereign king, the king of creation.
1: Yeah, and, and we're to submit to the Lord. All men are to render obedience to the Lord first because he created them. You know, the, the one who creates has authority over the creature, but we have a double obligation to have him rule over us because not only is he our creator, but he's also our redeemer. Um, and that's that's the whole redemption jumping off the page, you know, in the preface to the Ten Commandments, I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So he rules us, but he also defends us. Yeah, And just to, to go back real quick, you know, you you were, I might not have been, alive or I might have been a small child when this was a thing, the Lordship controversy where Jesus can be your savior, but not your Lord. Yeah. You don't really need to obey him or carnal Christianity, Yep, but that doesn't jive with new Testament teaching. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's legalism. Tommy.
0: No, that's Jesus.
1: Ah, there you go. Okay. (laughs) 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 Line, Line of the time. So went back, got it coming back defending us. So this is, I think, very clear. This is this defending us presently against our earthly temporal enemies. The first book of the Psalter, there's five books of the Psalter, uh, which is the 150 Psalms, and books, book one of the five books centers on conflict. David, most of the Davidic Psalms are in the first book of the Psalter, that's Psalms 1 through 41, and he really focuses on the enemies of God and his own personal enemies who ultimately are the enemies of God. And he talks about how God is his present help, his constant defender. Psalm 18, I mean, listen, he's just pouring it on here. Psalm 18 2 The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Can you think of any other ways to... <laughs> I feel like he kind of exhausts no, he, the biblical imagery there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, you got – was a- Psalm
0: 32, you are my hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. And I think this is helpful for a lot of things is that I do feel like we live – I think human beings live in this constant fear of no one's with us hmm. and – in this whole idea that Christ is our king in a way that he is ruling and defending us, that it's showing us that he is a God who's with us and for us, that he is going to defend us, that he is going to take care of us. And so on a a personal level, these passages and this idea help me to know that I'm not alone. And and most importantly, I have a, a king who is with me. But also I think these passages help me to pray hmm. to this king uh, where I can focus on this whole idea that he is my rock and my fortune because because what do we do in our prayers is that we usually offer up our our worries, but often we don't have answers to those worries. and here uh, are our concerns or even hardships you know like maybe I have a, a bad boss or a poor neighbor or bad co-host, bad co-host. But what I do have, I have a rock, and I have a fortress, I have a deliverer, I have a refuge, I have a strength, have a shield, uh, I have a hiding place. And and using those imageries to communicate, A, who God is in a real way, but also, how does that make you, usually Presbyterians don't talk about our feelings, but...
1: You have feelings? You have those things?
0: I do. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Stephen.
1: Uh, I'm like a
0: frozen chosen robot. Um, but... I, but again, to really – to keep that at bay in us is mm-hmm. important, you know, because sometimes we are our worst enemies, and, and Christ is actually – We we talk to self more than we talk to God. Yep. And uh, you,
1: you bring up this idea of God being our present help. I'm pre- actually preaching through the Psalms right now, so it's cool that we come to this place because Psalm 14, he is with the generation of the righteous. I use this illustration of – um the old animated Disney one from the 90s, uh, Lion King. And when Simba is cornered in the Valley of Shadows and the hyenas like have his back pressed up against the wall and he lets out this pitiful roar. And then the hyenas, they're just cackling, right? Like they're just, you know, laughing it up. And then he tries to let out this one more roar, but this one is booming. It shakes the ground. And he realizes that his father is right behind him. And that's kind of what we need to remember is because we sometimes feel like we're backed into a corner and we feel like this helpless little lion cub that we're just going to be devoured by our enemies and they're going to exult over us. But when we remember that we have the lion of the tribe of Judah, that we've got the righteous God is with the generation of the righteous, I mean, that just puts steel in your spine Um, and you're able to continue. And that David keeps coming back to these. There's a flow to the Psalms, right? Where there is, Spurgeon talks about it. Most of the Psalms of David open with sighing, but they end with singing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very natural, the way that we pray. We, we come to God with our worries, our yeah. cares, our concerns. But if we're gonna really benefit from prayer, we need to avail ourselves of the promises of scripture, just like David did. I remember your steadfast love. Yeah. You know? So we've got ruling defending us, And our third point, restraining and conquering all of his and our enemies. Um, The really key text here is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is the resurrection chapter. Uh, You hear it at weddings a lot. 1 Corinthians 13, that's the love chapter. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection chapter. And it's here in the resurrection and also in the second coming of Christ where we read of what Christ is going to do with his kingdom. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. Quoting, I believe, Psalm 110. So Jesus, as our Redeemer, is our King and he's going to and is presently beginning this restraining and conquering of all of his and our enemies. He must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet and the last enemy to de- be destroyed is death. I think also of the binding of the strong man yep. that Jesus talks about and how that started in his incarnation, that Satan was not able to deceive the nations as he once did. So he's already, Satan's bound.
0: Yeah, no, He's restrained. His, yeah, and... And we'll talk about this in our bonus episode to give you a little what what appetite is that, you know, that his kingdom did start or inaugurated at his first coming, mm-hmm. and it will be consummated at his second coming. There's this, we'll use the language like already and not yet, or inaugura- inauguration, continuation, consummation. And so, um, and, and, and as he, in that continuation, he is restraining and conquering all of his and our enemies, mm-hmm. and the good news of the gospel is that our enemies are also his enemies, mm-hmm. and he is conquering them.
1: Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, my cup overflows. Yeah. So part of the good news of the gospel is not just that God redeems us, but that he sets all things right. And it's not just God's grace that we want to be big on, but also his justice. Yeah. That God won't turn a blind eye to anything or sweep things under the road, but our enemies... And we want to be careful not to say, hey, so-and-so cut me off in traffic, and we wish the judgment of God on them. (laughs) But the people who oppress the church, um, the ways in which we unjustly suffer, God is not going to let that stand. All things will be under his feet. And just last analogy, I'm reading Pilgrim's Progress with my son, like an illustrated version. Dangerous Journey? Dangerous Journey, yeah. With like nice 80s
0: illustrations. Yeah, so we read that with our kids, and... Tilly, was it Tilly? Yeah, Tilly would used to come up to me with it and said, Daddy, will you read Bad Journey? (laughs) It's
1: it's so cool because we've been through it one time, we're going through it a second, and he already knows character names. Yeah. And I forget the names. But the image when he's going up to the castle and there are the two lions and Timorous and... Uh, whatever the other character's name is, they turn around because they're like, man, these lions, are, they're just gnashing their teeth us. they're a nasty bunch. But then the caretaker says, the lions can't hurt you. They're bound. They're chained. Stay on the light. There's like this light that's a path. And if so long as you stay on that light, the the, the lions can't hurt you because they're restrained. And that's a good image of yeah, no, good. Satan being bound. Yep. And I think Bunyan was so good with this extended um, allegory of the Christian life. So Romans 16 just to, again, the apostle knew that the people needed encouragement, and the way that he closes the book of Romans, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, which harkens back to, I think it's probably your favorite chapter of the Bible, is Genesis 3, right? You'll, he'll crush, yeah, yeah. crush Satan's head, right? The gospel is going to yeah, be Gen- consummated one day.
0: Yep, Genesis 3.15. That's where it all kind of starts. and Mm-hmm.
1: And... and restraining and conquering all of his our enemies, and the place wherein we see this consummation and the once-for-all conquering of all things, we see it there in Revelation. Um, you know, what, what does G.I. Williamson say about
0: Good this? old G.I. says this, Not only did he conquer sin and Satan on the cross, but he is also preserving us and watching over us and will one day bring us into his heavenly kingdom where our conquering king. Uh, and then he quotes from Revelation 21.4 as he will wipe away every tear from, from their eyes, there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And that's what we're longing for. That's what we're, the gospel has pointed us towards, uh, and that's good news. Mm-hmm. Very good news.
1: So if we're gonna summarize the three offices of Christ, I think um, we could c- close with this. Jesus is our prophet who reveals the will of God to us, so that's God to us. Jesus is the priest who represents us before God, that's us to God. And then Jesus is the king who rules us and leads us to God in his kingdom, that's God going before us. So, you know, prophet, God to us, priest, us to God, and Jesus is the king taking us to the father where he is. Amen. Amen. So, we have our interview scheduled. It's going to come out for Thursday Yep. with good old Dr. Scott Redd.
0: Yep. Is, is he an RTS Orlando graduate? Yeah. Did we go to seminary? I mean, yeah. Did we go to seminary together? Yes. This is a conspiracy. I'm telling you. I tricked you. You did. You didn't know that it was, it was my way to Zoom call all my old seminary friends. One day, we'll call your seminary friends, too. Thanks.
1: You know, I have decent seminary friends but none of them are doctors yet so we we yeah. might want to give them like
0: well you're younger 10 years yeah i'm yeah. on the younger yeah. side we'll do a different we'll do a different podcast 10 years from now we're we looking can, forward to that well calling steven's friends that's what <laughs> that's we'll <laughs> call
1: it <laughs> yeah theologians in car drinking pumpkin spice lattes it's swall
0: all right it's happy fall y'all
1: <laughs> so we are uh, looking forward to that episode thanks for joining us till we talk next time keep it short
2: How does Christ execute the office of a king? Christ executed the office of a king in subduing us to himself, in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering. In our enemies. How does Christ executed the office of a king. Christ executed the office of a king in subduing us to himself, in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies